Have you ever noticed that people often fear information that might reveal their opinions to be wrong? Truth is also frequently suppressed because it may be politically incorrect or may not support the narrative being promoted by social activists, popular media, or even by those responsible for government policy. Unfortunately, the tendency to fear obvious and logical truth is alive and well in the realm of religion. Religious scholars and those who write commentaries know they must often steer a wide berth around some very clear and easy to understand biblical statements when their religious teachings are in stark contradiction to the book upon which their faith is based. They must avoid many scriptures, or if they cannot avoid them, they verbally dance around them, carefully dodging an explanation. There is one question many theologians fear, one they hope you will not ask. As the answer, which can be found in the pages of the Bible, reveals a reality which undermines much of the key theological underpinnings of what has become Western Christianity. Volumes in bookstores and libraries and online sources claim to reveal just who Jesus was, where he came from, and his relationship to the God of the Old Testament. Yet they contain little that is really definitive and are generally contradictory to each other, especially to the Bible they claim to believe. So stay tuned as we answer the question directly from the pages of the Bible. Who was Jesus before his human birth? And who was the God of the Old Testament? Most who identify as Christians today generally believe that the God of the Old Testament was harsh, that the Old Testament does not reflect the love and kindness that Jesus taught, and that God's expectations of humans in the Old Testament differed from the teachings of the New Testament. Many feel that Jesus did away with the need to keep his Father's law and was therefore a different, kinder, and gentler God. I will show that this is a central error in many faiths that identify as Christian. Let us start by examining the very critical questions. Who was the God of the Old Testament and how can we prove it? This is crucial to understanding and appreciating the role of a being known as God the Father and also the one who later identified in the biblical text as Jesus the Christ. Most religious scholars are aware of a number of scriptures that are very clear on this matter, but will avoid them, as they would in fact undermine the theology of most churches today that call themselves Christian. Let us start by identifying from the Bible the identity and origin of the one the Bible refers to as Jesus the Messiah. Where did he come from? Why was his life valuable enough to constitute a payment for the sins of all mankind collectively? The Apostle John makes it unmistakably clear that the one who became Jesus existed from eternity and was not an angel. He was not the Archangel Michael as some falsely claim, a claim that is most definitely not supported in Scripture. The Apostle John 
who knew Christ very well, was inspired to make some very direct statements about the person known as Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In the preceding verses, John points out that the being he identified as the Word had been with God from the beginning. He is shown to have been the creative agent for all that was made, including angels. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. John states that the world was made by the being who became known as Jesus, and then introduced the astounding purpose for this creation, to give humans the ability to become God's children. Keep that in mind. John goes on, and the Word became flesh, which identifies the Word as Jesus, and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. As we see, Jesus, the Bible says, pre-existed as the Creator, and then somehow became flesh, a physical human being on the earth. The Apostle Paul makes the same point when he speaks of Jesus Christ. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. The meaning of the firstborn is that he is the first being to be born from the dead into spirit life as a literal son of God. Therefore, no one had been born from the dead into spirit life prior to Christ, not Abraham, not Moses, David, or Elijah. They are still dead. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. Paul adds clarity to this statement in the book of Hebrews. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. Paul explicitly states that the universe was made through Jesus Christ. Notice verse 10. You, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. I hope you will take the time to order our free special offer today, written by the late theologian Dr. Roderick Meredith. The content of this short work will astound you. Here is how you can acquire your free copy. Jesus was and is God. He worked at the command of one called the Father. He became fully human on the earth when he came in the flesh. He depended on his Father in heaven but he was also still a God-being while he was on this planet, as a human. The Bible says that directly and indirectly. For example, 
the Apostle Matthew in his gospel referenced a prophecy in Isaiah. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Here Matthew was inspired to call Jesus God with us, inferring Jesus was God while on the earth, though he was fully human. We also know from scripture that for a human being to allow himself to be worshiped would be a sin. Only God can be worshiped. Hence Paul had to correct a situation when they tried to worship him. You can read the story in Acts 14 where Paul and Barnabas had to stop the priest of Zeus from sacrificing to them after a lame man had been healed. However, it is worth noting that Jesus permitted people to worship him while he was human and on the earth. But when he, Peter, saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshiped him saying, truly, you are the son of God. We see this occurring again in his ministry. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, a man born blind. And when he had found him, he said to him, do you believe in the son of God? He answered and said, who is he Lord that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, you have both seen him and it is he who is talking with you. Then he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. The Bible even records that demonic beings recognized Jesus for who he really was and worshiped him. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshiped him. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, what have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For he said to him, come out of the man, unclean spirit. Thus there remains no possible doubt that even while human, Jesus was also God, that is, a God being. He was fully man and fully God, save for the limitations he bore due to his human mission. We saw in Hebrews that Paul refers to Christ as having made the worlds and that the heavens are the work of his hands. Finally, he refers to Jesus as God. There is absolutely no indication in any of this writing that Paul was speaking metaphorically or poetically. He was simply stating the fact that the personality who became Jesus Christ was in the beginning with the Father as the Word and that as the Word he did the creating for the Father including the creation of mankind. I will be back in a moment to show who Jesus was in the Old Testament record and what he taught at that time. This information has been in your Bible all along. Why has it not been taught? In fact, it has been suppressed. This is made very clear in a short booklet, Satan's Counterfeit Christianity, written by the late theologian Dr. Roderick Meredith. The content of this short work will astound you. Here is how you can acquire your free copy. In the first part of this program, we established from the Bible 
the truth that the being we know as Jesus Christ was in fact the personage through whom the creation was made and that Jesus allowed himself to be worshipped as God when he was on the earth as a human. In the first chapter of the book of Genesis, we note a conversation. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. All scholars agree that the word for God used here is the Hebrew word Elohim. It is a plural form of the word God. It implies that there is more than one being in this conversation. Note that God said, let us make man in our image. Therefore, the one we know as the Father and the one we know as the Word or Logos were both included. And throughout the Old Testament and even into the New, Jesus is seen acting for the Father. The Bible shows that the one who became Jesus interacted with mankind several times in the Old Testament record. In Genesis 18, he deals with Abraham. Obviously, Christ did not appear to Abraham in his full glory, but in a human form. Yet apparently, Abraham was able to recognize him, and Abraham bowed in worship to him. Then the Lord appeared to him by the terebinth trees of Mamre, as he was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day. So he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing by him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them, and bowed himself to the ground and said, My Lord, if I have now found favor in your sight, do not pass on by your servant. Note also in verse 25 that Abraham called him the judge of the earth. Far be it from you to do such a thing as this, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous should be as the wicked. Far be it from you, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Abraham knew this being was the judge of mankind, and John recorded Jesus' corroboration of this fact in his gospel account. For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son. Jesus had held this position from before his human birth. Clearly, Abraham understood he was speaking to the Lord. Then Abraham answered and said, Indeed now, I who am but dust and ashes have taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord. We also know from Scripture that Abraham did not deal with God the Father, neither did Moses. Jesus stated that no human had ever seen the Father. No one has seen God at any time. One very interesting record in the Bible, often overlooked, has huge implications in what it is that we teach as biblical truth. The book of John records that even the Jews of Jesus' day understood that Jesus was calling himself the God of the Old Testament, and they planned to stone him to death for this. Notice these verses. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Then the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old, and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, Before Abraham was, I am. Then they took up stones to throw at him, 
But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. The above scripture is very interesting, as it not only identifies Jesus Christ as the one who conversed with Abraham and Moses, but the tense here is present, meaning he was still at the time in his human form known as I am. And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. The Jews who were present understood this very clearly. They realized Jesus was calling himself God. They did not realize, however, that they were really in the presence of the same being, but in human form, who had given the law to Moses. Thus Jesus was the one who had spoken to Abraham and Moses. In the final part of our program today, I will go over the tremendous implications of the true identity of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament period, a truth that can separate biblical religion from popular religion. It also reveals man's true purpose. In the meantime, I would like to remind you of the short but powerful work of the late Dr. Roderick Meredith, which reveals a shocking truth that can alter your life choices for the better. Here's how you can order. Welcome back. Thus far today, we have seen that according to the explicit words of the Bible, the being we know as Jesus Christ is also the one through whom the creation was made, including man, and the same one who appeared to instruct the patriarchs of the Old Testament. Now, let us take this one step further. According to the Apostle Paul, the one who became Jesus Christ was also the same God who delivered Israel from slavery in Egypt and established the nation of Israel. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. This is about as clear as it gets. The spirit personality who dwelt with Israel was the same one we know as Jesus Christ today. Jesus himself confirms this. He said at one point that no one had ever seen the Father. Yet shortly after the law was given to Moses, we find that the God of Israel did appear to Moses and some of Israel's leaders. Then Moses went up, also Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel. And they saw the God of Israel. And there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of sapphire stone, and it was like the very heavens in its clarity. But on the nobles of the children of Israel he did not lay his hand. So they saw God, and they ate and drank. These people saw the God of Israel. Yet Jesus explicitly said no one had seen the Father. Whom then did they see and eat with? With whom did Abraham and other patriarchs meet that they thought was God? It was Jesus. This simple truth is not acknowledged by many of the world's churches in their respective theologies, despite Christ's very clear statement, which we read earlier in John 8 
and which Paul supports in 1 Corinthians 10. Why is this truth not acknowledged? When we understand that Jesus was the lawgiver at Sinai, we can begin to grasp why so many ministers shy away from explaining the real origin of Christ. Nearly all of these religions have taught that the Ten Commandments were given to Israel by the harsh, cruel God of the Old Testament. They have taught and continue to teach that Jesus somehow knew better than his Father and superseded the law of God with an ill-defined doctrine of love. Some say that Paul was the one who knew better and did away with the need for the law. Yet the writings of Paul say the very opposite. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. This is supported by the scripture in Malachi 3.6. For I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore, you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. It is very embarrassing to those who have taught that the law has been done away to admit that the one who gave the law was Jesus Christ, who says he does not change. It is difficult to assert that the law was changed when that same being stated, for example, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor the stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. The Bible shows explicitly that the apostles were devoted to teaching the Ten Commandments and other aspects of God's law, minus the ritual laws that were not applicable after Christ's sacrifice and the destruction of the temple by the Romans. You can find no record of changes made to God's great spiritual law, discussed or implemented by Christ or the apostles. Even more than 50 years later, we find the church and new converts zealously keeping God's law. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and keep His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. If all professing Christians were taught the truth that the one who became their savior is the one who gave the law, the Ten Commandments, perhaps the actions of people and the religious organizations would be quite different. If this great truth of Christ's identity were known, then Christians would understand the meaning of John's explanation of the love of God as we read a moment ago in 1 John 5 there would also be better understanding of the statement in Revelation. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. The true Christ, as revealed clearly in the Bible, coexisted with the Father from eternity. He and the Father together planned the creation of mankind as recorded in the words found in Genesis, let us make man in our image. Then about 4,000 years later, the Logos was willing to temporarily give up the indescribable glory, power, and majesty he had always shared with the Father. It is correctly stated by Paul 
that Christ emptied himself, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. This great being came to earth bearing a message from the Father, called the Gospel, and also to offer his life as payment for mankind's violation of his law. Only he was able to do this because as the Creator, his life was worth more than all human life combined. Sometime after the death of the Apostles, a great apostasy took over in the name of Christianity. The clear teaching and examples of Christ and the Apostles began to be altered. The very concept of Christ having been a great divine being before his human birth, a real Lord and Master, was suppressed. This knowledge of Jesus' full identity is a critical element in understanding God's intent for us today and how we should live to build in us the character that God desires for our good eternally. I hope you will take the time to order our free special offer today, which will show much more about how the actual teaching of the Bible has been corrupted and how you can read for yourselves the real story in this book that has shaped the culture of the Western world. Join us next week as Gerald Weston, Michael Haycoop and I bring you more information about our present world and the exciting future of tomorrow's world.